Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. And this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. Um, today's the real deal, a long episode. I've got uh, Captain is captaining this, uh, this plane here for me. So we have a, a great, exciting episode for you that won't have any of the problems that exist when I do it, try to do it myself, even when I do a 25-minute episode. So uh, thank you, Captain. Look, there's not, yeah, I, I'll be honest, Captain, I'll be honest with you. I'll just talk to you. I mean, audience too, you know. Um, you know, I, I've never, I've never done an episode more reluctantly in my life. I think this is like the 187th episode and the, the, the severity and the gravity of what just took place today with these indictments from Jack Smith, you know, it's, and don't mistake me. I don't have some sense of self-importance. I don't think I'm the most important person in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but as I sit here to talk about what's going on today and, and report and explain some of this, I, I imagine it's how, you know, somebody might feel, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, reporting on the bombing of Pearl Harbor. It's something that you just don't want to do, right? I mean, you're, you're giving an address to the nation or something like that, and you have nothing but horrific news to report. And that's really how I feel today. And I'm really struggling. I, 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 look, I'm, I'm a consummate, we're consummate professionals here. Um, we're going to do this thing. But I just want to scream. I just want to scream. I want to scream expletives. Uh, I just want to shake people and wake them up. Uh, hopefully we can do some of that. But there's nothing good about this. And I don't want to scare you. <clears throat> and I'll say it in such a way, of course, where... <clears throat> I can't be accused of inciting an insurrection or whatever, but what the what the Democrats and the Justice Department just set in motion today, this has never happened in the entire 240 plus years in American history. And, and I want to give you context because you can say we're a young nation. We are in the grand scheme of things, even though the United States is still older than Italy, Germany. Uh, and actually most modern countries today in their current forms. But if, if the Democrats even succeed at this, I should say even if they don't succeed, and actually when this goes to a trial, they get a guilty verdict and so on and so forth, and they actually put Trump in jail, even if they don't get that far, just what they did today is grounds for revolution and civil war. And I know that's uncomfortable for us and where we are today and the way we look at things and view the world. We think that this kind of barbarism, that it's, it's, it's in the past, it doesn't affect us in our modern world, but I would remind you that this nation was born, right? We fought an American revolution for freedom and independence because of what? What were these grievances that were so atrocious that the founding fathers and early colonists couldn't tolerate? Taxation without representation was one of the major issues. That was one of the major issues in itself that drove them 
to declare independence and to go to war. I cannot emphasize that enough. There were other issues in there too, but they were living under a tyranny. Even though they weren't under the boot as much as the citizens of Great Britain, for example, who were in close proximity to the king. We fought a civil war over what? Well, the South seceded from the Union. That's really what did it. Yes, it was about the issue of slavery, but Lincoln didn't believe, and he was correct, that constitutionally states had the right to do that. He was trying to preserve the Union, and he understand, understood that it would become all one thing or another. So either they fought the South and the Confederacy and abolished slavery and kept the Union intact, or the South was going to win and we were going to have slavery everywhere. You couldn't live half and half. But Captain, how many Americans have the appetite to do what the revolutionaries did? I would say that even if we had slavery, and we do have slavery actually, because the goal of the Democrat Party is to reduce all of us to slaves. It's happening quicker than you think. But let's just say we had the most abominable form of slavery that people are familiar with in our history and mankind's history here in America today. How many Americans would have the guts to go to war to abolish the practice? You think people would pick up arms to eradicate the evil of slavery in America? No, we wouldn't have the guts to do it. And conversely, let me say this. How do you think Americans in the mid-19th century, during the era of the Civil War, they were willing to go to war, bloody war, over the issue of slavery and secession. The American revolutionaries, certainly in the later part of the 18th century, were willing to go to war for freedom. Do you think those, how do you think that those ancestors would respond to what happened today? I know it's uncomfortable, but it's time that we wake up and get uncomfortable because very uncomfortable things await us, especially if we don't really step up now and do something about it. So what did happen today? Well, we had the persecution, long-awaited persecution of Donald Trump, an attempt to blame him for what? I don't know. I mean, it's like Trump-Russia collusion. So Trump questioned the election results, and that's a crime. Now, I've got clips to play. I'll play you Jack Smith. I'll play exactly what he said, and it's amazing because Jack Smith is such a, a fake, such a fraud. Do you remember, for example, with the Mar-a-Lago doc, classified documents case? Remember how the, well, Jack Smith and his team and others, they leaked the audio of Donald Trump talking about some particular classified document in relation to General Milley's plans to blow up Iran. Well, they put that out there, and that was supposed to be the big smoking gun, and yet, Jack Smith never didn't even have that document. So the tape and accusation they were making all of this about, about this one confidential document he appeared to perhaps be referencing behind closed doors, well, they didn't even have that document. There was no proof, no evidence, and that wasn't even included in the indictments, wasn't included in the documents, wasn't even delivered to the grand jury. And there is reason to be concerned. The judge in this case is an Obama appointee. 
And that's the least of the problems. She's totally corrupt and she's got a history. She's actually been responsible for securing prison sentences for many of the quote-unquote J6 protesters. You know, people who took selfies in Congress. But before we get into this case, I'd like, you, I'd like to bring your attention to another case that Jack Smith was involved in because there are glaring similarities. Well, in 2016, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled eight to zero, eight to zero, that a gentleman named McDonnell didn't violate any bribery laws as he was convicted by Jack Smith. Now, McDonnell, this is the Virginia GOP former governor, Robert McDonnell. Well, Smith indicted him for bribery charges. What was the problem? There were no bribery. There was no bribery that took place. So it's remarkable. The same thing's happening here. Donald Trump didn't violate a single law. And yet Jack Smith is accusing him of doing that, indicting him for it. And more than likely, because this is all taking place in D.C., there is a strong likelihood that this, this will go all the way to the Supreme Court, ultimately. An appeals court should throw this out, but it's D.C., and unfortunately, if I'm being realistic, I don't think there's a lot of likelihood that an appeals court run by a bunch of Obama appointees and corrupt deep staters that are protecting Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, I don't think that they're going to throw this case out if it goes to appeal. So ultimately, it would end up in the Supreme Court's hands. And we're looking at a long-term litigation, right? You look at how long it takes things, even when they're rushed, to get to the Supreme Court. We're a ways away from there. But it was just amazing. I mean, what happened to McDonald, for example? You know, he, 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 he endured three and a half years in between the time the investigation Jack Smith conducted began into him until he got unanimous vindication by the U.S. Supreme Court. And all because what? Jack Smith put together a phony, phony set of indictments of bribery against McDonald. So this is who we're dealing with. Now, what is in this? 45-page indictment. Did you read this thing, Captain? Yeah, I'll save everybody the time. It's 45 pages. Well, actually, you know, I'll, I'll put it to you a good way. You know, Jonathan Turley, right, the lawyer, legal mind, he put out a tweet that sums it up great. So I'll just steal from him, obviously giving him credit because he summed it up perfectly. If you took a red pen to everything that was related to, you know, the First Amendment and free speech and you marked it out, you'd be left with a haiku at the end of this 45-page indictment. Effectively, when you read this thing, they're acknowledging that Trump has the right to free speech, and yet they're simultaneously acknowledging that he doesn't have the right to question election results. So cue up cut one for me, Captain. Now, I cut this clip down. This is like a minute and 20 seconds, a minute 30 seconds, but it's a 10-minute compilation of Democrats questioning 
trumps legitimacy. Every person you hear in this video or audio, if you're just listening, these Democrats, based on Jack Smith's indictment, every single one of these individuals should be put in prison for the rest of their lives. That's the reality. So Democrats, you know, what this 45-page indictment says is that you can question election results all day long if you're a Democrat, but if you do it as a Republican, it's illegal. It's illegal. So go ahead and play cut one, Captain, just to refresh your minds about who we're dealing with and the people that want to put Trump in prison for questioning the legitimacy of 2020. Go ahead, Captain, cut one. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's what real I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He is an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put in office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. And and in that sense, it's illegitimate. Well, so these are the people that want to put Trump in prison for saying that 2020 wasn't legitimate. And what's amazing about the 45 pages, what they point to over and over and over again is they find people around Trump who told him they didn't believe that the election was stolen or they didn't agree with him on whatever his opinion was about what happened in Michigan or Wisconsin. And they use that to suggest that Donald Trump was lying to the American people to defraud them. So because someone else has a different opinion about the election, which is what the Democrats want the opinion to be, that's the gospel. So you're not allowed to have uh, your own opinion about it. So if you go again, do you see what's happening here with free speech? And challenging election results, I would remind you too, is part of the electoral process. It's actually baked in. I've talked about it countless times, the elect Electoral Count Act of 1876 or whatever it was. 1886, 1876, 1880 something, whatever. And, and you know, they've tried to, to put out the narrative that these are fake electors or fraudulent electors or whatever that challenged them. And, and, and it's not, it's not true. So, the Democrats are creating this alternate reality, alternate reality. And of course, what this is intended to do is put fear in everyone's heart going forward. So no telling what they have in store for the 2024 election, by the way. Will we have 
climate lockdowns? Will they bring back COVID lockdowns? Will they, I mean, nothing is beyond these people. I mean, they fomented and, and created riots. I mean, and by the way, I just want to point something else out. You know, nowhere in here is seditious conspiracy yet. Uh, there are four counts. One is conspiracy to defraud the United States. Count two, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. Count three, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official pr proceeding. Count four, conspiracy against rights. All complete absurdities. And I'll play for you a, a clip of Jack Smith in a minute. He's trying to tie this to January 6th. Actually, do you know what I have not heard anyone else say yet, Captain? And I'm very surprised by this. Amidst all this garbage going on, has anyone pointed out the fact that we already had an impeachment over January 6th? We already had an impeachment of President Trump over this very case that they're trying to build right now, and Trump was exonerated? Do you understand the double jeopardy happening too? So we've already been through this, right? We had, they impeached Donald Trump over January 6th and he was found not guilty. But they wouldn't let that end, right? They had to continue on with this J6 committee that went nowhere. And then they had to finally do this. And of course, they're saying this is so important. They have to get to the bottom of this. You know, this is about saving democracy. So why did they wait two and a half years to do this? I mean, this comes after the classified documents case. It comes after uh, uh, fat man Alvin Bragg, his, his ludicrous made up, trumped up case against Trump. So this is like the last thing they have now, two and a half years later. So you were in such a rush. This was so important. Why was it the last set of indictments that you pursued? Why didn't you do this first years ago? Because it's political. And it's intended to interfere in the 2024 election. Now, they're going to try and they, they say they want a speedy trial, whatever that means. I don't know when this is going to happen. Unfortunately, this judge, and I should do that now, actually. Who is Tanya? Who is Tanya, this judge? All right, get ready. Hold the steering wheel tight. Go steady. Be careful. Look out for cars. So the federal judge presiding over uh, all of this, the U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin, she's a longtime Barack Obama supporter. Her husband was appointed a judge by Obama, too. Chutkin donated campaign funds to Obama prior to her and her spouse's appointments to the bench. Oh, also, her mother-in-law kicked in for Obama's presidential campaign. And Fusion GPS um, filed a motion to block uh, the ability of the committee to subpoena its bank records, citing it would divulge the confidential client list of the company, and Chutkin agreed with this. So she helped cover up for Fusion GPS, which was related to Hillary Clinton, right? So this is a party hack. This isn't somebody that's of the law. This is somebody who is against the law. Uh, Chutkin, she's presiding over the Imran Awan and Hina Alvi bank fraud case in D.C. Chutkin made headlines when it was reported she was appointed to the federal bench by Obama after she kicked thousands in campaign donations to his presidential campaign. 
Joe Biden is not the only one involved in pay to play, pay for play. So she's a swamp creature. Um, you know, she's failed to disclose a family relationship uh, with defendants in cases. Um, she's failed to recuse herself from cases. I mean, she's violated all kinds of laws herself. I mean, while the, while the Democrats, right, they want to call the Supreme Court illegitimate because, you know, Clarence Thomas has a rich friend who took him on a vacation. You have this happening all day long, every day, and the Democrats, of course, say nothing. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, this is pretty amazing. Chuckin contributed, contributed to Obama's first presidential campaign eight separate times. $4,000 to Obama's campaign and PACs. Almost maxing out personal contribution limits set by the FEC. Um, so anyway, you know, it's, so Chutkin, the federal judge, she was born in Jamaica. She lived in Jamaica, the Bahamas, France, and Spain before coming to the United States. Maybe she met Obama sometime when she was traveling through Kenya. Anyway, so this, this is the person in charge of this. And can we point out something else obvious here, Captain? The timing of this. Have you noticed a trend here? A trend between revelations about Democrat corruption, specifically as it relates to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, and that bribery scandal, and the response immediately afterward by the corrupt Department of Injustice. Here, I'll just point out a few to you. Oh, man, this is a conspiracy theory, Drew. I, this is not happening. Okay. Well, let's, let's just see. Uh, March 16th. March 16th. Jamie Comer reveals Biden's family payments. Then a few weeks later, April 4th, you have Trump's New York criminal indictment by Bragg. Then later in the spring, June 8th, Republican views Biden's bribery, 10, right, the FD-1023 form by the FBI, right, the Obama confidential human source that was relied upon by the Obama administration that said, hey, I can spell out the bribery to you. I can tell you exactly how it happened. Remember that form? Yes. Yeah, so June 8th, Republicans view that. And then on June 9th, the very next day, you have Trump's classified documents indictment about Mar-a-Lago. And of course, a few days ago, we get the Hunter plea deal, which gets blown up because the judge realized that immunity was baked in, but hidden from the American people and other people. So he was going to sign this little plea deal, face no jail time, slap on the wrist. And then he was immune from all the real charges like FARA violations in the future. But I can get more specific. So let's do this. June 7th, FBI releases the documents to Congress alleging the $10 million bribe from Burisma. And then June 8th, the next day, Jack Smith indicts Trump in Mar-a-Lago Doc's case. June 26th, Hunter plea deal is blown up. 27th, Jack Smith adds more charges to the Mar-a-Lago indictments. July 31st, just a few days ago, Devin Archer gave his testimony to Congress, to the committee. Blew the lid off of the Democrat lies, right? And then the next day, August 1st, what do we have? The J6 indictments. That's today. So yesterday, 
We found out that Joe Biden was a liar. We found out that Hunter Biden was paid by Burisma because they wanted access and they wanted the brand of Biden to shield them from being criminally investigated by Ukraine. We get all that, right? And then now, and now today, J6 indictments come out. So it's a totally illegitimate indictment. 45 pages of complete garbage. But I, you know, I just, I, I just had some notes here, you know, and I just, I just want to make sure I don't miss it. In this, in, in this, in this 45 pages, they just quote people who say the election was fair and they use that to say that Trump was wrong and lying. But you know who should really be prosecuted in, in jail for all this stuff? Let's look at Wisconsin, for example. A judge ruled in 2022 that the drop boxes used had been illegal. Why aren't those people that violated election laws in Wisconsin being put in prison? Huh? And what they're going to do now, too, they're going to basically effectively relitigate 2020 in this trial. Because they go through all of Trump's claims about the various things that happened in swing states. I mean, I just, this is insane. Absolutely insane. So challenging the election results is a crime if you're Donald Trump, but not if you're Hillary Clinton or every other Democrat who cried about 2016. Play cut two, Captain. Cue that up. I want you to hear Jack Smith. This is not somebody, I mean, the guy's like breathless. Uh, I mean, you look at this guy, he's just swarming. He looks like he could be, uh, you know, speaking of corruption in Ukraine or Russia or whatever, he looks like he belongs in that atmosphere. I mean, you just look at this guy and he's a corrupt sleazebag. What do you expect? Go ahead, Captain, play it. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. Since the attack on our Capitol, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment. And our investigation of other individuals continues. So again, in these 45 pages, it has nothing to do with Trump inciting an insurrection. That's not in the indictment. And yet, if you just listened to the disparity between the actual indictment and what Jack Smith said just there, you would be misled, would you not? Because what did Jack Smith just play up? And I cut out a large portion of this, Captain, because it was just, he's so boring, he's so dry, I couldn't put you through the pain of listening to any more. I cut the clips and put two together, that's all I had time, because it highlights what he talked about. But in between there, what I cut out was him praising the Capitol Police as heroes who saved our democracy valiantly on that day, who represented the best in all of us. That's essentially what he said. I'm a better Jack Smith than Jack Smith is. So, but that's what I'm saying. So he's playing up this emotional thing about January 6th. And of course, the media can't even make up its mind anymore if it was an insurrection or not, because if they go with, uh, with Ray Epps, by the way, have you noticed that didn't go anywhere, Captain? The FBI announces to make us all quiet and go away. They're going to bring charges against Ray Epps and then nothing's happened since. Unbelievable. And by the way, speaking of insurrections, do you remember the BLM Summer of Love? 
$2 billion in damage done to the United States of America. Innocent Americans' businesses burned down. More than 20 people were killed in the violence. Streets set ablaze. Cars set ablaze. Cops injured. Remember that? Went on for like three months. Well, that was incited by what? A lie. A lie that uh, George Floyd was murdered by that cop. George Floyd, the coroner reported, had deadly lethal amounts of fentanyl in his system. You think that's a relevant piece of information? George Floyd, the saint? So what did actually kill George Floyd? A career criminal. So the media did what? They pinned it on Derek Chauvin immediately, even when the evidence suggested that it wasn't necessarily Derek Chauvin's fault. You can say excessive force, whatever else, but it was an accident. He didn't murder the guy. The guy had deadly lethal amounts of fentanyl in his system and died. And what happened? Rather than say, okay, we're going to take action against the cop. We're going to investigate this. There was no investigation, right? It was just immediately. I mean, when, when, the, when it came to trial, what happened too? You had Maxine Waters standing on the streets saying, you know, we're going to burn down the country if he doesn't go to jail for the rest of his life. If we don't get the verdicts we want, he's going to, we're going to riot again. They threaten us all the time with violence, BLM, Antifa, all this stuff. So anyway, my point is the Democrats incite violence all the time based on lies, based on their words, based on what they say. You've got the trans killer, the trans murderer who killed a bunch of Catholic students in Nashville, and we can't even see the manifesto. What's in there? Who do they quote? What turned them into this monster? Was it just the hormonal therapy? Or was it something else? Perhaps the comments made by Democrats all day long, saying trans people don't have rights, threatening Christianity, promoting mental illness. We had Bernie Sanders and other Democrats who were quoted, who were reposted, who were worshipped by this lunatic several years ago who tried to shoot up and did shoot up a baseball field of congressional Republicans. So where's the accountability for that? Jack Smith's talking about accountability, accountability, accountability. Well, I want to see accountability for a number of things. I want to see accountability for the Trump-Russia coup. I want to see accountability for the other coup, the impeachment of Donald Trump over a perfectly good phone call with President Zelensky. By the way, too, here's another trend, and you can understand all, all of this and what's going on. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? The, actually, I, I want to give, the, if, if I can give this person credit, I will. Um, I mean, it's tantamount to the fact that these, uh, well, I can't find it now. Okay, I always want to do that during the show. Chalk it up to a lack of preparation there. But, but anyway, you get the point. The Democrats are accusing Trump of everything they've done. So they tried to interfere in the 2016 election, and then they accused Trump, of course, of you know, colluding with the Russians. Trump inquires about the corruption of the Biden family, and then they impeach him over the quid pro quo phone call. The, the Democrats, we know they staged a, 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 a false flag operation on January 6th, and they accuse Donald Trump of inciting an insurrection. So this is, this is just how this crap goes. 
Now, what I haven't gotten into yet, because look, these are the times that try minsoles, and you find out who's one of the good guys and who's one of the bad guys. Now, it's a very easy litmus test. Very easy. If you cannot come out and full-throatedly condemn what the Democrats and Jack Smith and the DOJ are doing right now to Donald Trump, if you can't do that, you're one of the bad guys. You don't even have to like Donald Trump. But if you can't condemn this, absolutely, you're part of the problem. And this will make some of you upset, perhaps. But I'm the minister of truth. And I am frankly ashamed. I'm very perturbed. And I'm very angry with what members of the GOP and frankly people who are trying to run against Donald Trump right now for the nomination, their response to this. Let's start with Mike Pence, Mikey P. Cue up cut four, Captain. Before, before I read Mike Pence's response to the indictment of Donald Trump today over denying the election results, I want you first to hear Mike, I think it's a different clip, Captain. See, I might have gotten him out of order. See if it's cut four. Try, th try three. See if it's three. Okay, my bad, Captain. So before I read you what Pence said in response, I want you to hear what Pence said at the time that Donald Trump was questioning the legitimacy of the election. This is before January 6th, before the certification. Play the cut of Mike Pence. Go. You know, I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. But tomorrow is Georgia's day. Now... I just want to get a second opinion here, Captain, because, you know, I don't want to be accused of misleading my audience. I don't want to be accused of being a hack or anything like that. But, you know, yes or no, it sounded to me like Mike Pence was certainly entertaining the idea that the 2020 election was not kosher. I mean, it sounded to me like he said, we all got our doubts, and it sounded to me like, he embraced the people he was talking to as like-minded who were questioning the election. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to, right? That's what he said. So here's Mike Pence, whose political future was officially ended several weeks ago when he did an interview with, um, with um, Tucker Carlson. Good riddance to this guy. Here's Mike Pence's response. So we have a situation that's never happened in America in our history. Never happened. Even in the Civil War. You know, after the Civil War, not a single person was actually ultimately tried for treason. You realize this? 
I mean, think about this. Think about that 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 desperation for unity. That's right. So, Mike Pence, today's indictment serves as an important reminder anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. Our country is more than one man. Our Constitution is more important than any one man's career. On January 6th, former President Trump demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. Mike Pence is one of the greatest traitors in American history. Now, I don't mean like the Democrats and Joe Biden betraying the nation in a different way, but, but I mean, this is the Benedict Arnold, truly, of our time. Mike Pence is a man with no integrity. I don't care how many times he goes to church. I don't care how hard he pretends to pray. I don't care. This is a man that is a disgrace to the nation. This is a man who cannot put his personal feelings and animosity aside for the good of the country. This is somebody who is a pathetic, pathetic disgrace of a human being. I don't care if he was your governor. I don't care if you listened to him on the radio in the past. These are the facts. This is who the man is before us today. Maybe he was good at some point in his life. I don't know him. Didn't know him then. Wasn't on my radar. But I can tell you definitively right now that this man is a weak puny, putrid human being who would destroy the country and is incapable of doing the right thing because he is selfish. This man is polling like 1% and somehow refuses to drop out of the race. He has zero chance of getting the nomination, even if Trump were put in prison and not permitted to run for election. Mike Pence still wouldn't be it. Mike Pence has no chance ever in his lifetime of becoming president of the United States. So why is it that he's running? Who's funding his campaign? Why is he out there? Because he's, a, he's being a useful idiot to Democrats. This is where his future is. He's the guy that's just going to forever be on MSNBC claiming that the party left him or that the party became radical. And he represents, I mean, this is how it works generationally. The Romneys to the Pences, the Bushes, all this sort of thing. So this is Mike Pence, fraud. And I would tell him this to his face. I hope he comes to my church out here in Napa Valley. Please come, Mike. Let's have a discussion. We'll open up the Bible even and have some talks. So another one that's weak, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is another person who continues to disappoint me. And I, I just, you know, this is what I'm saying. These people have, uh, look, and I, I, will get, I will say, it's been ugly between them and Trump. Some is because of their actions. But, you know, look, it's politics. It's a blood sport. So, you know, I really don't get too down in the weeds about what, you know, that kind of part of the politics. I just accept it as part of the game. But Ron DeSantis, I mean, there's a reason that Vivek Ramaswamy has overtaken DeSantis. Because Ramaswamy, at least, even if he's a, a, a fraud, even if Ramaswamy is some deep state plant, even if he's not genuine, well, he certainly is a good salesman. And Ramaswamy has political instincts and actually says the right thing. Ramaswamy was one of the few people who put himself on video and actually came out in defense of President Trump. But Ron DeSantis, again, he just... 
and I get it. I get it because defending Trump doesn't help you if your goal is to defeat Trump. So you have to have humility. It's a really a test for these individuals, is it not? So Ron DeSantis says, as president, I will end the weaponization of government, replace the FBI director, and, and ensure a single standard of justice for all Americans. While I've seen reports, I have not read the indictments. I do, though, believe we need to enact reforms so that Americans have the right to remove cases from Washington, D.C. to their home districts. He doesn't mention Trump's name. He doesn't come out in defense of Trump. While I've seen reports, I've not read the indictment. What a weak response. This is what I'm saying. People who are supporting DeSantis right now, right? And there are many reasons to do so, okay? There are many reasons to do so. But this is a reason not to support him. Because when it comes down to it, he, he refuses. He's incapable of recognizing and meeting the real moment. And this is the test of our generation. This is the test of our lifetimes, what's happening right now. This is a test like the Civil War was a test. This is a test like the American Revolution was a test. That's how serious this is right now in the country. And these Republicans who want to dig at Trump because they want his spot, because they're jealous, or they really genuinely believe they should be president instead of him because they're better than Trump, even though he's killing them in the polls. These people should be able to come together over issues like this and do the right thing and say the right thing. And they're not doing that. And I cannot respect someone who's incapable of doing that. I mean, we can all read the tea leaves. This whole episode's been about the tea leaves. And it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. And I'm not even talking about the economic damage. I'm not talking about the open border. I'm not talking about the fentanyl going into our blood, the, the bloodstreams of our children and killing them 100,000 a year because of the open border. I'm not talking about the threat from China or Iran or Russia. I'm not talking about those threats foreign. I'm not talking about all of these issues that are affecting us and threatening to bring this nation to our knees. It's knees. I'm just talking about this specific thing, which is the end of elections and the criminalization of free speech, the criminalization of political opposition, the criminalization of questioning election results, the criminalization of Americanism, of our republic. That's what's at stake here. And to me, you know, I get it. I get it. I get it. I can say it a million times. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I've told you where I stand. Uh, I'm supporting Trump. I'm devoted to, to getting him alive. But, you know, I, I, I just, if you want to, if you want to respond to this, right, it's in our, if you want to mount an off- offense against this, if you, if you agree with me at least, at least in the capacity that this is one of the greatest threats to our country ever, if you can acknowledge that this is dangerous, if you can acknowledge that this is wrong, if you can, you can acknowledge that this is co- totally corrupt, well, what better way to respond and end this and get revenge and justice than by putting Trump in the White House? What is more motivating than that? And that's why, in addition to other reasons that are objective based on simple things like was the country better off under Trump or Biden? 
I don't know. No brainer, right? But I will not stand here in this moment in history and watch and watch and observe as this takes place and not pick my horse. I won't do it. I'm a pragmatist. I'm a pragmatist. And we can push Donald Trump in there and he should be pushed in there. Nothing sends a signal more clear than that. And nobody has more of a grudge than Donald Trump. And nobody knows where to look more than Donald Trump. It's personal for him. But what they've done to him is a direct attack on you and me and the nation. It is absolutely true when he says, when they're attacking me, they're attacking you. I'm just standing in the way. Like him or not, that statement is true. That statement's true. And they are not trying to put him in prison because they're trying to help him win the nomination. He doesn't need their help to win the nomination. All right, cue up cut five, Captain. This is um, this is Daniel Goldman, the disgrace, human scumbag I was telling you about. Yesterday, he's the guy who was out there tasked with defending the Biden crime family, right? So like Adam Schiff would go after Trump, and that was his job to lie about that. This guy's job is to lie to protect the Bidens. Now, what we learned from Devin Archer, of course, big news was that Joe Biden, of course, is a liar. Not only did he talk to his son about his business dealings, but he talked to his son's business associates more than 20 times on speakerphone. And this is Dan Goldman's justification for that. Go ahead, play it, Captain. Could you just, with specifics, tell us these phone calls that were a matter of such... uh discussion yesterday like what were they about what would what would then vice president biden say in these conversations you know walk us through what happened right so uh, let's put this in context Bo Biden got very sick in early 2015. He died in the spring of 2015, which was right in the middle when Devin Archer um, had his his business dealings uh, with uh, Hunter Biden at that point Joe Biden and Hunter Biden began to speak every day because they were both devastated by Bo's death. They spoke every day. The witness testified that over his 10-year relationship with Hunter Biden, there may be approximately 20 times when in one of those conversations, uh, Hunter Biden would put his uh, father at a dinner, not at a business meeting, at a dinner that he was having if he happened to get a hold of his father and would ask his father to say hello to whoever was at the table. And that was essentially the extent of it. They didn't, he, it was unclear and, and the witness testified, this is not me saying that, the witness testified that a lot of times, most of the time, Joe didn't even know who the people were at the dinner table. So this was just simply, uh, this may have been Hunter's effort to say, hey, this is, you know, the vice president, this is my dad. But the critical part here for Congress, and that's what we have to make sure we understand, is that Joe Biden was doing nothing to benefit his son. So, Congressman, uh, you used the word illusion a couple of minutes ago. And Congressman Comer, your chairman, appears to... So, <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about you, Captain, or any of you listening right now, but when I lose a family member... The first thing I do when I grieve 
is I get in the on the phone with my son's foreign business associates. That's how I grieve. I mean, this is so absurd. I mean, they will just make up any excuse they can. Any excuse they can. I just cannot get over this, Captain. The transformation of this, lie upon lie, right? So I never talked to my son about his business dealings. I did talk to my son about his business dealings, but I wasn't involved. And now we have involvement. It's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. So disgraceful. And, you know, nobody's talking about this, right? The media, and this is the thing, the, the, this, this indictment gave the media the out they needed. And this is why I said last time, we have to impeach Joe Biden now. We have to, we have to do it. We cannot sit here and let these indictments go on and allow the media to play us. And that's what Donald Trump's strength was. He used to play them so easily. And we need to learn to do that too. We can't let them get away with this. So we have to force their hand. We have to put pressure on them as best we can. All right, so before we close out, I want to play another clip here. Uh, Whatever that cut was, we haven't played, Captain. MSNBC. So this is today or yesterday on MSNBC. Now, you think we've escaped COVID, right? The pandemic's over. We have the vaccines that don't work, and we have the boosters that don't work, and we have the masks that don't work, but we have the natural immunity that did work. But no, 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 no. It doesn't matter that all the scientists who lied to us have admitted now they lied to us without saying they lied. They've admitted it by telling us what they previously said didn't, you know, worked. Now they're saying didn't work like masks, for example. Now, here we go. Here's MSNBC. I just want you to listen. These people don't learn anything. And this is why, this is why there have to be massive consequences when this type of stuff happens. People need to be put in prison, gulags. I don't care. Work camps, sent into China. I don't care where they go. But something needs to happen to these people because they don't learn anything. And we are still under attack. Play the cut, Captain. Go. If you've noticed more of your friends, neighbors, loved ones are testing positive for COVID, you're not alone. According to the CDC, COVID-19 hospitalizations are up 12% from last week. And while we're nowhere near any previous levels, it's still raising concerns. Joining us now with more is Dr. Kavita Patel, who served as a White House policy director in the Obama administration. She is an MSNBC medical contributor. Dr. Patel, it's always great seeing you. So I, I, I think we've kind of all been noticing that, right? There's someone you know or people are, you know, think they have a cold and it ends up being COVID. What's going on? What are you seeing? Well, we're seeing the same thing, Jose, in clinic. We are, as you said, hospitalizations going up. Let me just start with some good news. We are not seeing anywhere near the dramatic rises that we saw in previous summers or previous years. That's good news. That's because a large part of the population, Jose, has already either been infected and vaccinated or both several times. So what I think people need to know is that I would just get people on alert that when you're in those crowded spaces, Think about the cough and the colds, and sometimes many people don't even have any symptoms. A mask can be your best friend. Keep it private. Back in time, we have them in our pockets, in our coats, in our backpacks. Time to bring them out again, especially as the school season starts. We don't want to see kids missing school for things that we could have prevented. 
Yeah, let's let's bring back the mask, Captain. What a brilliant idea. These people, this is why you give them anything, anything, and they never, ever, ever let go. And, uh, you know, I'm very, you know, there's a lot of things happening, Captain. Um, Africa apparently is about to go to war with itself. That's another development that's happening. Uh, let's see how many arms we can send over there and what our involvement's going to be. But, um, you know, it's just, it's one troubling thing after another. And we have, you know, election interference happening here. Which, of course, I mean, it's, I've just, this moment in history, Captain, I, how do you feel, Captain, having dedicated yourself for so many years to military service for this country to just see what's happening now? I mean, I, I, you know, I, that's one thing, you know, and I, I admire that about you, Captain, and other people too, you know, I did not, I did not serve my country in the military. And it is a sacrifice whether you were deployed somewhere or not. Um, you know, it's, it's a special person that's willing to do that, especially in the past when they did it for the right reasons. Now people want to do it probably uh, because they hope to get free transgender surgeries, you know, so it's a, it's a way to get that. But, but um, yeah, Captain says it's heartbreaking. I think that's how a lot of us feel. I mean, just heartbroken to see what's happening to the country, but I would just I would just remind you, I mean, you know, this this is not over. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's not over. You know, have some faith, but also faith with action. And I just think that, you know, it is time for the GOP to unite and unify right now. I think that we need to stand behind our candidate, especially what you can say, whatever you want, pick apart things you don't like about Donald Trump. But his record was pretty remarkable. Obviously, COVID is an issue for a lot of people, myself included. But, you know, it's just like like the argument with DeSantis, like, oh, DeSantis would have fired Fauci. It's all revisionist history, folks. It's all revisionist history. I mean, rock in a hard place. What are you going to do? And I mean, the biggest complaint for me is, is warp speed, Operation Warp Speed, personally, you know. But look, I can recognize the strengths and the weaknesses and recognize what we need right now. And overall, Donald Trump was a great president. And everyone who lived in that time before 2020 was saying that. It's only now that people are saying, I'm so tired, I can't do it anymore. I mean, are you going to let yourself be beat down and beaten by this lying media? And you're talking about any Democrat and Joe Biden. I mean, the problem is we need to grow cojones. We need to be able to support our people against the onslaught from the left. We need to learn to go on the offense. So we're always defensive about Trump or we throw him under the bus and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, we have all this going on in the country and we're trying to search for some other candidate that we think might be able to win. Why can't Trump win? Why can't Trump win? He can win. But the problem is weak need Americans who allow the media or Twitter, or whatever they're reading, to dictate their thoughts and their feelings and so on and so forth. And I just think if you're a realist right now, even if you wished that somebody else was going to be the candidate, there's never been an election like this. Trump is polling at like 50 plus percent. 
it's obvious who the candidate is. So my point is, if you're just realistic and pragmatic, what are you going to do? Drag this thing out and wait to the last minute when the inevitable happens? So you're going to spend all your time trying to defeat Trump only for him to become the candidate, the nominee, and we've lost all that time to build the defense, to bolster him, to run interference, to go out there and try and convert people. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you know who your starter is going to be, you might as well back him now instead of waiting to the last minute when it happens because I don't know why. Like, you're dragging your feet. You know, I mean, this is this is a historic moment, obviously. And I think we know what the right thing to do is. And, and I mean, that that's my rationale with, with Trump. I mean, I can't stand here and let this keep happening. I can't stand here and let it happen. And he's the fighter we need. He's bruised. He, he's bloodied. He's, he's battle-hardened. And I just want to get him in there and I want to support him. And I want to right the ship. I want to write the ship. All right. Well, it's been a ferocious hour or so here today. Um, good to be with you again. Captain, great to have you back, of course. Uh, and also, you know, I, I, I fail to mention every time, and I apologize, Captain, but, you know, Ram TV. Captain runs an amazing network of shows, and there are a lot of them. Super talented people, you know, people who are military veterans. Everyone has their thing. Moms. It's just... There's so much out there. Their shows are different than mine. They bring something to the table. And I would encourage you to check it out. Um, Captain, b- before I forget, because I don't ever go to any websites anymore, I just do the show. What's, 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 that, what's the actual website they can go to, though? Is it Ram? It's not Ram TV. Right, Ram, America? RamTV.live. Okay, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So check out Ram TV Live and do that. I finally, Captain, today before we got on the show, I was going to say it in the beginning. Then we get to the end, you know, but, but check out Ram TV live. Uh, and also if you haven't yet go to this podcast, wherever you listen and uh, rate it, like it and all that. All right. God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. Sorry to have upset some of you today, but that's my duty. All right. Until next time. My friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Has Drew Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.